Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. I first started traveling in general. The first time I ever traveled when I was 19 uh, and I traveled to Europe for three and a half months. I met a, uh, a friend, a German friend of mine who I'm still very good friends with to this day. And uh, she was a, an exchange student in my hometown. At the time that I met her um, through my girlfriend at the time, she and my girlfriend were really great friends. I didn't know where Germany was. I didn't know what Germany was. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know one word in German. I didn't know anything. And I, and she was one of the very, something very strange to me, I guess, to, to, for lack of a better term, something was, I was unfamiliar with was, something from somebody from another country an alien um, concept yeah it was really and so it was fascinating to me i became fascinated with the fact that someone had another language as their first language someone would come to the u.s um all, all those things and it really piqued my interest and then within a year she, my girlfriend and i traveled i i ended up making friends with exchange students at my high school we went to separate high schools so that piqued my interest somehow we managed to organize a three and a half month trip between military family in Europe, between these exchange students that we knew, and then you know saving up a little bit of money, and then it was in the '90s, so it was a little easier to cost effective, very cost effective to do youth hostels and that kind of thing. Yeah, we patched together a three and a half month uh, trip, backpacking trip, which at, uh, at the time I didn't really realize it, but that would become a pattern for me uh, in the future. So uh, it piqued my interest in Germany and it piqued my interest in, in a bunch of other countries. I went over to Germany, couldn't speak any of the language, obviously, couldn't speak with her parents, really, her father spoke English. Came time to uh, come back to the U.S. and I, I decided that I wanted to do a year abroad, a study abroad year. And my first two uh, choices were Spain and my third choice was uh, Germany. I had chosen as my language, I, had, as, I was also a music major, I studied music in, in university. You, you're required to, to choose a foreign language as your as a music major. I decided that I, I, since I could already speak Spanish because of my family, my grandmother couldn't speak English and she lived with us my entire life. I decided I would study a different language and I just randomly chose German. I was like, why not? <laughs> and so I ended up studying German for two years. That coincided with my getting my third choice, which was going to Germany. So by the time I ended up leaving for Germany, I, I, went, I ended up going to study abroad in Germany for a year. And before that happened, I had two years of German in my, uh, under, you know, under my belt. Mm. And when I study a language, I, um, you know, I have, I had my friends and my friends in my you know class who kind of just got by and just passed the test or whatever. And I'm, I'm a horrible student. I'm, I'm probably maybe the worst student that you'll ever, maybe you would have ever met. I didn't excel in any of my classes, but in German, I was probably the best student in my class. I, I studied hard. I would, every, every chance I got, I would tr- try to practice the language. Um, I would make meticulous notes. No, when it comes to languages and music, I'm I'm very. Uh, I just I, I don't stop. I don't. I, I just can't, I spend hours. Time passes. If you put me with math or with science, I just forget it. But with with language and music, it's a different story. So I excelled very quickly in um, the German language before I moved before moving there. Got to Germany, and my entire year was in German. All all my classes, all my music, all my friends. Everything was in German. So even other foreign exchange students who I became friends with, um, we spoke German to each other because they didn't really speak English very well. Or if they did, they didn't speak as well as I could speak German. So um, when I was That's over the in Germany, land. yeah, it was. And, and plus, you know, I was young and, you know, I didn't, I had time and 
Um, and plus I learned some slang and then, you know, so that time of my life to, to kind of get to my point is, <laughs> is that, it, it, you know, which leads us to Korea, which leads us to travel in general. I just really, it just really lit the fire for me to not only uh, travel extensively and, and to really value the, to really understand the value of travel and to really explore travel as much as possible and get out, get everything out of it as much as possible, but also to try and learn the, the language of the country that I'm in, and then also to try to, to learn as many languages as I possibly can. Um, although I don't know several fluently, I've studied, I've continued to study more languages. Um, that's just something that that, that fascinates me. And, it, and it's just something that has kept my interest throughout my life. Um, I'm a musician and I love my, I love music, but I really have decided that travel, travel is my passion. It really is. I mean, music is my life. That's what I do. It's what I breathe and do. It's just what I'm, I, f- I feel like that's what I'm here to do. But my passion, I just love traveling and I love everything that goes along with it, which is language and culture and all and meeting you know, people. And um, so those are two very important things to me. So yeah, there's that Germany connection there. And I still go there every year. Um, I tour over there every summer. I usually go over for some, anywhere between a month to two months playing and traveling around. Couldn't go this year, obviously, but, mm. but yeah, I go over there every year. Self, very good friends over there. And, um, I love I love living over there. I'm, I don't know how you feel about it, but um, I I love traveling over there. Um, I should say traveling. I said living. I love traveling over there. I'm, I'm I know it's a lot different living there, but uh, yeah, I love uh, I love Germany, and it's it's handy to be able to speak to people over there. You know, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where were you based, uh, Anthony, during that time? Where were you studying? I was studying in a town north of Frankfurt on Main. Um, which is in the center of Germany. And uh, I was studying at a, in a town called Gießen. And Gießen is a really small, it was an old U.S. military town. Um, it's between, I don't know if you know where Marburg is, but Marburg is uh, where the Brothers Grimm are from. It's this really old, Marburg, Marburg is, it's sort of between Marburg and Frankfurt. It's in the middle. And um, it's about, I don't know, I want to say now it's probably about 100,000 people, um, Gießen is, but there's a university there and that had an exchange program with my, school in texas that's how i ended up there what was it took you to south korea then i mean when you graduated or you you moved on from your language courses and studies in germany um okay so when i went to study in in germany that was 1996 and then when i went to when i moved to korea that was 2009 and as a matter of fact um no i was i was done with the university i was living in um i was living in texas i was living in my hometown something I wasn't really exactly, that's not where I wanted to end up. Um, but I was working at a, col- a community college teaching music. I was playing music full-time, had a girlfriend and I was making pretty good money. I had an awesome house with a music room and all this stuff. And it was great. Um, but it was just, I kind of just got to a point where I didn't want to be there anymore. It was a lot of late nights in bars playing till two o'clock in the morning and waking up, you know, whatever the next day partying. And it was just, it was sort of this, this circle. And I was just like, what, what am I, what, is this it? <laughs> like, is this, so I was like, you know what? I want to get out of here. I want to go do, I want another adventure. And I just, it was as simple as that. And I, I was like, I, you know what? At that point in my life, I'd never been to Asia. And I was just like, I want to go, I want to have the same experience that I've had in Europe but in Asia, I just like started looking up at places, how to do it. I started looking up how to travel abroad. Ended up, as you know, I ended up in South Korea, but before that I was trying to go to Japan and it's a little bit harder to work, to get work in Japan. Um, Not impossible, just harder. Whereas South Korea is, as you probably know, is pretty easy to get a job. A bit more welcome Uh, in South Korea. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good way to, that's a good way to put it. They're more welcoming. And so I kind of just said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, look, I'm going, I'm going to Asia. <laughs> you can come with me or you can stay here. 
uh, and she ended up going with me. So, but anyways, and what was what was going to originally be a year turned into four years, and I I feel like I got a pretty good a pretty good run in Asia. It was a lot of fun. Um, I got to see the majority of the countries there, you know, in East Asia and Southeast Asia, and traveled a lot. And some traveled more than me, some traveled less. But um, I feel like I got enough. I would have, of course, loved to have been there longer and traveled more. But I was I'm happy with what I got to do and what I got to see and what I got to experience. And it was just a, it was an experience I wouldn't trade for anything having lived over there. It was a blast. Some of the the people you meet and the relationships you strike up, whether it's involved in music or your hobbies, painting mm-hmm. or sports or whatever it is, but you can yeah. meet these other like-minded people or people you work with and your social circle <laughs> kind of expands and then you you become friends with local Korean people and it gets bigger and bigger. And then it, yeah. Kind of, uh, yeah, it does feel like home. Yeah. And that's the beauty of traveling is that, um, you know, you, you experience all these things. I mean, it's a tactile traveling is tactile and it's, a, it's in it's in, in the learning sense, in the sense of learning, you're there experiencing the culture, you're experiencing the food, you're having to survive, you're having to adapt and you're meeting all these people that are going through the same thing as you. So it's a, just a real educational experience. And, the interesting thing about being in Korea is that as an English teacher was that in your community, you know, you already have several things in common, just by default, you have several things in common with people. You're going there as teachers. So you're, you have that embedded in your personality. You have to be outgoing, you have to be organized. You have to be, to know how to entertain and be fun, but you're also adventurous and, and, and crazy enough that you, that you all left your, you all went halfway across the world to go live in this, foreign country you know i mean those are two things right and then you have to have you have to be have a a love for travel why else would you do that you know why else would you have done either of those two things so you have all these three things in common so that's just a recipe for just by default even if you don't have much in common besides that with other people you're already going to kind of connect in a level so those that's i think that's why those relationships from korea for me um were are sorry are still are so deep um, because then you add to that, oh, you're into music or you're into the art or you're into theater or you're into cooking or you're into, you know, this or that sports, like you said, basketball or, you know, you add an additional interest and you just, you can just get so close to people very quickly, you know. Um, and that's what I really loved about, about Korea, especially Busan, you know, uh, Busan being the, the southern uh, second largest city in South Korea. Um my favorite city in South Korea. <laughs> well, uh, I'd be I, I remiss love, of you uh, to say otherwise, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, but I've, you know, I really loved it there. And um, that's, those are good. It was really conducive to making good friends, uh, like you said, and long lasting friendships. Yeah. The music scene itself, Anthony, how did you uh, integrate yourself into it? I mean, you turn up with your guitar and you're kind of like an open mic night or what was your way in? Well, that's really interesting um, because from what I understand, what I was told before I got there was that really wasn't, there was a music scene, but people weren't making money. People weren't getting paid. And, you know, it was, I want to say that probably either uh, maybe my myself and my duo had something to do with the development of it, or we were just there at a time when it was ready to happen. But um, I think, you know, I certainly made efforts to put shows together, a lot of fundraising shows and things like that, and, you know, made friends quickly. Um, but to, to, to answer your question directly about how I got involved, it's kind of funny because it kind of did happen like what you said. But before I went to, one of the reasons I left America, left the United States and went to Asia um, was to get away from playing music. Um, I was trying to leave. I wanted to just stop because music at, the, at that time was representing to me like i said being in the bars playing till last call 
you know, waking up hungover, like it was just, I was losing, I felt like I was losing my focus of actually being creative and real, just using music to make money back, back in the U.S. And I kind of wanted to get away from that. I wanted to go teach English in an elementary school near a Buddhist temple and become enlightened. And, you know, I wanted to really experience you know, something else. You know? <laughs> yeah, I just, I needed, I, I was in, I knew that I was in need of some sort of spiritual, my, my soul needed, I call it a baptism of fire. I just, I knew I needed that. I knew I needed to just kick myself in the ass and just get some, do something different. So I was leaving the United States to go to Korea to, to experience that, to leave it behind. So I wasn't, the point is I wasn't looking to play music over there when I went. I did take my music, I did take my, effects and my guitar and everything everything like that i'm not sure how familiar you are with with the city of busan or you know all the bars or the old bars or i don't remember the, yeah. your time the time that you were that you know that you're i was there from i was there for well i, I live predominantly in seoul for my time there but i was there from 2000 to 2017 okay okay so okay so you remember <laughs> you remember o'brien's on uh at the gaia stop yeah it's the El- Bronco Bryan's was the old expat for anybody listening. It's a, just a, your expat Irish bar that strangely enough was not owned in any part by anyone Irish. <laughs> no, it's funny that it. <laughs> it's like owned by an Australian guy. Yeah, it was um, a anyways, scene with the Irish pubs. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my, my girlfriend and I at the time who had come with me, who she was also part of my music duo or we were not my music duo. We were a music duo together. We were just, um, Sitting, we went to that bar just to have a beer on a, it was like a, it was the week that we arrived in Busan. It was like the Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it was that we were arrived in Busan. And it happened to be the Wednesday before St. Patrick's Day. We we're just sitting there and the owner was there and a couple of guys at the bar. And we were, there was nobody in the bar. We were just sitting there talking and just, we had just moved and we we're talking about, they were asking us about ourselves and yeah, we're musicians and we play, you know, music. And the owner was just like, well, do you have a gig this Saturday from St. Patty's Day? And I was like, well, no, I mean, <laughs> it's like, would you, would you like, would you like to have one? And I was like, <laughs> I guess, sure. Why not? Well, the, the, and, the, and the, the funny thing about it is, is that the thing about for anybody that's not experienced South Korea or the, the scene in Busan, people were very, in the expat community are very um, hungry for any kind of Western culture as the, at the time. And this was 2009. So Western, especially Western music. So people would come out, not always necessarily because the music was great, although often it was with the different bands that were there, but people were, were generally, they were very loyal music fans and music groups that would come, uh, music fans that would come out and listen and be very receptive and very, just uh, very, very good audiences. So little did we, we kind of underestimated it. We showed up, we're like, yeah, we're playing some like St. Patty's Day kind of gig or whatever. The community is small enough in Pusan that, that it was like packed when we <laughs> showed up to play. It was just a packed house and the word had gotten around that some new musicians were in town and blah, blah, blah. And we, we played and it ended up being a very crazy, fun first gig. And from there, it just kind of just spread and we were playing all the time. And it was... Uh, and I'm not complaining, it was a blast. But the point is, is that I went there not looking for anything and played more music than I thought I, ever, than I, thought I ever was ever going to. And and we made more albums, we made several albums and not only played in our little town, but ended up traveling several places. Um, that's kind of just how that started there. That's how that, uh, that's how that began. So at that point, I kind of was feeling the, the feelings that I had for, for leaving the U.S. to going to Korea. I started having the same feelings in Korea and I was just like, man, I could, uh, thankfully at that time I had become, um, 
I had, I had moved from uh, being an elementary school teacher to teaching at university. So that was, a, for anybody that's unfamiliar with a university job in Korea, it's basically like 10 to 12 hour work week, several months of vac- paid vacation. <laughs> it's just like a wonderful job. You know, on paper, it was great. It was like, oh man, I've got this great job and I can do private lessons. And I can play gigs and I've got all this free time and I can travel and, you know, all this stuff. But I was also, I was also partying a lot. I was also drinking a lot, which is part of the culture, part of the yeah, expat culture in right, South Korea. Yeah. It's very easy. It's very easy to fall into that trap and, yes. and to, for it to go unnoticed because um, it's so prevalent. But at that time, uh, it, it got to a point where I was just like, you know, I need to go back. I'm ready to just, I don't want to just I didn't personally want to just be, you know, teaching English and, and, you know, I was ready to go back and to come back to the U S and start establishing myself. And my goal was from my goals for myself, where I'm going to go back to the U S I'm going to be playing a lot over there and I'm going to travel to Europe and continue that exchange. And I've done that so far. So, um, and I'm very happy. I mean, I haven't, I've done it on the level that I'm comfortable at and that's just kind of what I want to continue to do. And I just, um, but it was just time for me to, it was time to leave. It was just time for a change. Right, it's the next yeah. chapter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I yeah. saw I saw on your website that you you've been playing this weekend. Yeah, as, as we were speaking, it's on a Sunday, and yes, you had a show Friday and Saturday. I think you're playing most weekends. Right? Yeah, I had a show on Friday and uh, Friday, and then last uh, so today's Sunday. I had a show. I had two shows yesterday. <laughs> last night we played a, a very my violinist and I played a very uh, very awesome and beautiful house concert backyard. A house concert uh, last night it was it was wonderful so um and I'll, i live in austin um which is the capital of texas so um this was pretty far south austin but it was just a great audience and played a lot of original music uh, off this new album that i just made so um you know it's really wonderful you get those kinds of gigs where people are really listening and then you get the you still get the kind of gigs that are you're in the corner playing and maybe <laughs> you're kind of in the way yeah it's just like can you turn down we're trying to talk over here um but uh you know it's just a combination but you know it's I'm happy just to play music. I don't care who, you know, who it's for or who's listening or it doesn't bother me as a person. Well, for me, um, it's been uh, uh, fortunate because I'm, um, I, I'm kind of a self-contained unit. I mean, I can, I'm a vocalist and an instrumentalist, so I can play and sing and kind of just people can hire me as one person. Uh, I think the people that are getting the musicians that are having the hardest time are the musicians that are auxiliary players like drummers, bassists, guitar players, not to mention sound men, sound lighting people. Um, but the other musicians there, those are the ones really having the hard time because they rely on on band shows, which happen in clubs, which are closed, especially in Austin right now. And Austin is a huge music scene um, that's primarily stopped. It's, it's, I mean, essentially it's just stopped. So I've been playing a lot of, um, a lot of bars are, are, are experimenting with opening back up, meeting patio shows outdoor shows but they the the bars that would normally host bands are keeping it down to like single or duo acts so someone like myself i you know i travel quite a bit outside of austin where they're being a little more um open to having just outdoor outdoor shows it's been for me it's been actually okay you know i've been i've been fortunate enough it's been kind of this funny communication between you know people that are having parties or people that are having private events people are stuck in weddings i mean i played weddings i played private events i played you know, all kinds of things that are happening right now and i i usually get the email like we don't know if you feel comfortable getting out and playing i'm like yeah i'm fine <laughs> just tell me where it is i mean i'm not gonna play in a in a 10 by 10 room with 50 people in it i mean but you know if i'm in a if i'm in a patio and people are at enough of a distance and you know nobody's 
this mean, I don't want people getting, yeah, I mean, I kind of like those conditions regardless. I mean, <laughs> I don't want people spitting on me and getting close to my face anyway. No. So, <laughs> uh, I'm always good at keeping a distance, but, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been good. And I'm thankful. I'm, I'm very fortunate that that's happened. And um, I hope that clubs will start opening back up because um, I, I really hope that the, the music scene and my fellow musician friends and people that work in the music industry can, can get back to, to work. And it's, it's really affecting the bigger tours. It's really affecting the, not even the major artists, but like, you know, artists that are just kind of mid-level to upper, you know, upper level. I mean, I have a, I have a great friend of mine who's a, he's a book booking agent for major jazz artists. And he's just like, it stopped. It just, he started another, he had to start another like side business just to keep things. And he's doing well at that. And he's booking, he's starting to book me, you know, he's booking me at different places, you know, smaller, much smaller scale than he's used to, but. It's like, man, I gotta make, I gotta make a living. <laughs> so it's just, it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of a little. But the whole music and arts industry is really taking it, uh, really taking a pounding from it. You know, not just uh, where, where I'm from in Scotland, the United Kingdom, uh, but obviously the U.S. is the, the, the circuit there is huge, right? It, as you just said, you have places like uh, in Texas, or you go to Nashville, or the West Coast, or the East Coast, or yeah. summer tours, arena tours, whatever it is, it's a whole network and it's just ground to a halt yeah yeah man it's, it's hit everyone really hard which is a nice segue into your own <laughs> your own new record let's let's cheer ourselves up a little bit your new record's <laughs> called acres of diamonds can you tell us a little bit about it and the concept behind it it's a it's a great album yeah so i'd say the thank you by the way thank you for that um the concept behind the album um i guess so the title of the album is called acres of diamonds and then there's a little subtitle kind of underneath on the title on the the cover on, on yeah on the album at the bottom of the album and it's in Spanish and it says uh, los grandes éxitos and uh, in Spanish that means uh, the greatest hits <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of I kind of slid that in there uh, as a little uh, inside joke with myself because uh, there's nine songs on the album of those nine songs I think six of them have been around for a while for me they've kind of just been recorded at home or recorded in other people's smaller studios and released and basically I took off several songs that I that I feel t- stood the test of time that people have consistently come to me and said like that song is great oh, I can't stop listening to you know I love this can you please play this song I mean over the years of, of performing even as far back as 15 years and I've decided to take those songs and re-record them and give them a real proper proper attention and um and and i put out this album because it's just like documenting this is the part this is this part of my life so that would if there's a concept i think that would be it is that i was documenting those those works kind of just like taking a little snapshot of my of, of those songs and and putting them out and you know i'm at this point in my career where people are going to listen to this album. They, never, they don't know who I am. They've never heard these songs before. <laughs> and so these are brand new to a lot of people and to, to, to friends and, and people that have been listening to me for years, they're, they're just happy to have, they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you put these all in one album. Like, you know, and they're, so it's, it's just something that's just been really, um, I, I would say that's the, that's the concept. If there were, if there were a concept, that would be the one. The two, the two songs that have kind of stuck in my, my rotation on the playlist are my hands are my eyes and fire song. I really like oh. the, I mean, they're both quite different songs, yeah, and the way they sound and so on. But yeah, they're really, they're really cool. Thank you. Yeah, those are probably the the shorter, maybe even more uh, slightly uh, rocking songs. Maybe yeah. You know, there's a, there's a couple. There's a, there, I guess the the album kind of goes from this sort of kind of rock guitar solo guitar era 
kind There's of even rock. a little bit of southern rock feeling to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Some people, some, I've had, I was lucky enough to have some reviews on this album and some guys were comparing it to like Crazy Horse, you know, Neil Young, Crazy yeah. Horse and, some, you know, that kind of style of music. And then Definitely no bad have, thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I, take that as a, I take that as a huge compliment. Indeed. But that style of like, you know, guitar solos and just craziness and then you have the other side of it that's you know more piano and violin based maybe more cinematic maybe even and i even delve into some electronica some like down tempo electronica something along the lines of like you know zero seven or fevery corporation or you know those that kind of that kind of vibe on there too a really huge influence on me um, musically too i've it's something that maybe i don't wear on my sleeve but um i was i was obviously educated in classical music i started out playing rock music when I was very young before I could read anything, any music um, with metal and hard rock. And then I got bitten by the classical bug when I was like 17. I was just like, I discovered who Bach was and I, it blew my <laughs> mind. And I still, I still have, I still obsess every day over Bach and, and just, you can't, he's just, the per- he, you can't even begin to scratch the surface of, of who that, who, who he was as a human, even if you study him endless, endlessly. And then, you know, later on in life, I would say about 20, 20, about 20 years ago, I really started getting into, um, I guess what you would call like chill electronica or like, uh, uh, you know, that, that genre. And there's a lot in there. What I love about that genre of music is that there's, there's a, there's a lot of musical sophistication, meaning like harmonic sophistication, a lot of really cool choice, a lot of, a lot of unorthodox choices that the composer makes or that the songwriter makes that are very, so subtle that you, that as a, the layman wouldn't necessarily notice it. But for to a trained musician, it's it's just like wow, that's that's really cool that they did this, and you find this in so much of the music, uh, like of the band, of the bands I mentioned. Um, like I, I don't know how familiar you are with that genre, but um, one of my favorite, just I love one of the artists I love so much is um, Goldfrap. I don't know if you know who Goldfrap is from the UK. Um, yeah. You know Portishead and all you know that that kind of stuff. But uh, Gold Allison Goldfrap is just. Um, She's uh, she's one of those writers that the song itself, the lyrics are great, but then whoever's producing it, and I'm sure she has a lot to st- a lot of say in the production too of her albums and her songs. Just the orchestral, the, the orchestration and um, the chord choices, and just some of the just the subtle things they put into the production are just they're just really great choices and really uh, it, it intrigues me as a as a trained musician and it's intriguing and interesting to me, and I find that sometimes more interesting. Thing to listen to than songwriters you know <laughs> i mean a dude with a guitar is just not really that interesting to me anymore and i i don't care how good the words are and i really hate to be that negative on on that genre of music because that's important to me lyrics are important yeah. to me and, and songwriting is important to me but i can't it's really hard for me to sit in a picker circle or go to an open mic and hear 20 people play their original song because it's just they kind of start to sound the same after a while <laughs> there, there might be a time and a place for it all eh? yeah and i think that's you know that's um there's an Austin musician. Um, he's pretty, pretty well, he's very well known in Austin. I mean, he, he can pack out a 2000 seater in Austin. His name's um, David Ramirez. I don't know if you know him or not, but he's a, he's, he's a songwriter, but he, he's a, he's one of those guys who uh, I guess you would put him in the, the Americana genre. And you, he's a, he's a songwriter, songwriter, acoustic songwriter with vocals, but his albums are, are very, another one. It's very interesting. Kind of like, I don't know, Calexico, I guess I would say Americana kind of stuff. I don't want to limit his genre. Calexico but one of his, really good. Yeah. One of his, one of his quotes I love is just like, uh, I heard him in an interview and he was just like, man, if you're up there, if you're getting up on stage with just you and a guitar, you got to do something different. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got to stop. <laughs> you just got to stop doing that. <laughs> and that just, I was just like, 
thank you for saying that because I feel that nothing against people that, that, that get up and sing and play guitar, but it's just like, man, I kind of don't want to just sit here and analyze your lyrics while I'm listening. I want, there's gotta be something that compelling, you know, it's almost like the lyrics have to be part of, they have to be disguised as part of like a part of the song. They got to flow together. It can't be like, okay, now I'm going to listen to this person's diary, you know, because <laughs> that says that doesn't sound interesting to me. So that gets us back to electronica music, which is, that's something that's just the source of just like, always fresh ideas that aren't in your face. They don't in your face and they don't, they're not trying to prove a point. It's just like, there's this cool little sound over here that comes in every bar, every couple of bars or something, you know, just random stuff that um, it's really interesting. That's, that's influenced me uh, for the past couple of decades now, I guess. You may have a more like subtle nuances and as you were saying, things that you maybe don't expect to happen in the, right. in the song and it's, uh, and it sounds good. I mean, that's yeah. like an end result. Eh? It's kind of, it's, it's nice. And- there's, there's one album that I want to uh, kind of uh, just briefly before, before we move on to touch on um, that I think is also doesn't have anything to do with electronica at all. There's two DJs uh, from Australia and they're called um, Avalanches. And I'm not sure if you've heard of their, uh, of that, that duo, but um, they did an album, I want to say probably about 15 years ago. Uh, and it's called Since I Left You. And the album is completely made up of samples from albums, from records. It's funny how the album kind of tells a story and it follows all these different genres of music and it, but it's just, it's just sampled voices and guitars and violins and, and drums. And, and it's just a really like, it's like you're watching a little film. It's like you're watching a little movie and they're just telling this story about how this person went through this without saying any, without saying it, they're telling a story about, you know, since I left you, I found a world so new and they just go through this, like kind of you're on the beach and then you're in the club and then you're kind of going through, you know, it's, it's just, uh, but it's, it set the record for the most, um, for the most samples uh, ever used on an album uh, and things like that. I think are just creative. Um, that's why I'm a big, I'm a big advocate for that style of music. I know there's a lot of purist musicians who say, mm. you know, electronic music isn't music or, you know, rap isn't music or whatever. Well, I mean, you know, that's like saying <laughs> Vietnamese food isn't food or, you know, I mean, you know, or, you know, whatever. It's, it's like everything is music. It's, it's, it's just the instrument that you choose to make it through. I, I would, I would argue that there's people that play guitar and sing that don't make music, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not what the instrument you're using. It's the spirit behind it. It's the creativity behind it. And um, so anyways, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for, for that genre. And uh, I've, I've drawn a lot of inspiration from that, but I wanted to mention that album because it's a, it's a really cool, uh, it's something, it's one of my favorite albums. Um. <laughs> I, shall, I shall need to go and dig that one out. I don't, I don't know much about that at all. Where can we find you on social media? Best place to go is my website, anthonygarciamusic.com. That would be the best place to find me or the best way, the best way to search for me on Instagram. Uh, it's Anthony Music. But there's no A. I put the at instead of the A. See what I did there? Good. And then there's also um, Facebook. I have a Facebook page. All these links are on my website, anthonygarciamusic.com. And that's probably the best way to find kind of videos and kind of what I'm doing. And, and then, of course, on uh, uh, my Spotify links and everything is there. YouTube, all that kind of stuff. So We shall link it all accordingly. What are you working on next, Anthony? So right now, um, I have a second album finished already. It's just a matter of recording it. And then I have, um, I'm working on a, a solo guitar album right now. I guess like a Spanish style, original solo instrumental guitar album. Um, and that's kind of what I'm, uh, that's my next thing I'm going to be putting together. But I, I really want to, I really want to get back over to Europe. That's my main thing is, um, and it's hard to plan it. It's just really hard to plan it right now. Hopefully the new year brings us a, some better vibes. Eh? Do you have it? Do you have time for a, a top five? Yeah, sure. 
What's a guilty pleasure for you, Anthony? Something that maybe you shouldn't like, but you do, you know? Man, you know, it's really funny. I really, like I mentioned before, I love electronic music. It's so funny. That's what just what I have playing at home. And it's kind of like, I guess I, it's funny because when I'm at home streaming, I found some really great online radio stations for this, by the way, but I'll, I'll be streaming it. And I'm like, man, if any of my friends walked into my room and heard this going on, it kind of sounds like either I'm listening to the weather channel or I'm like <laughs> in some kind of like cl- some club, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, that's, I just have it on my, have it on my, uh, a stereo all the time that would be kind of one of my uh one of my guilty pleasures but i don't really feel too guilty about it i like it i think it's just some music friends would probably be like really you listen, listen <laughs> that, <to> that's <laughs> it <laughs> yeah or classical music i have classical music and, and that music going on i don't listen to like at home i don't listen to rock or i don't listen to i don't listen to anything like that i mean i don't i just don't i just don't i don't listen to rock and roll songwriters i don't listen to i mean anything like that so it's kind of funny that would be one i guess one of them Excellent. This takes us into the second question then. So it's who should we be listening to? Tell us someone who maybe we're not familiar with that you can enlighten us about. Wow. Let's see here. That's a really great question. Um, as far as like new music goes, you know who I really, I'm really liking now. There's a, there's a guy, he calls himself Home Shake. I have, I'm not sure if you've heard of him or not, but he's a single, he's a single, I guess he's an individual. I don't really know much about him as a person, but I just know that I like his music. And we were, ta- we were talking about the, the, the style of electronica. In electronica music, you know, you might take a loop and it, re- it repeats a certain, a certain instrument several, several times in a row. You don't have to do any, you know, it's just, it's a, you can take a drum pattern, you can take a bass pattern, a keyboard pattern, a guitar pattern, whatever. And it, it kind of creates this, this bed of kind of almost like a drone, or like a repetitive, a repetitive nature that kind of puts you in a trance. And it's, it's, it's like trance music or chill mm. or down tempo. Well, he does all these with, live instruments. Um, so he, he, he creates this really interesting like combination and this, this kind of like this cog of just perfect parts. It's almost like hip hop where they'll have like just these, these really sparse parts or like James Brown. I'll have like this sparse drum part and his sparse bass part and his sparse guitar part, but they're all put together. And, um, but he's also kind of like a chilled out, like, chilled out kind of music. Um, so he's, his music, his band or his artist name is called home shake. And, uh, I really, his, his stuff's great. It's not technical. It doesn't get, it doesn't get all golf plays. It's just, it's, it's state. It doesn't get in your face, but it's really unique. It's really unique. Kind of makes you think when you are not really prepared to think, but it doesn't force you to think. <laughs> so I, I, I like him a lot. That's a, definitely another one for me to check out. Until you're filling these for me today. I'm, uh, I'm pleased about this. Yeah. And what's your go-to, uh, we can use the Korean word here. What's your go-to Noribang song? Or carry <laughs> for those for those who are not uh, initiated. Wow! Oh, this is a uh, this is really because uh, everyone's done it, right? It's this uh, is karaoke. Noribong is Noribong. Noribong for anyone who doesn't know what that means is a uh, uh, karaoke. <laughs> and my the the Chris Stapleton version of Tennessee whiskey. I'm embarrassed. To, that that might be my guilty pleasure. I'm embarrassed to say that. I don't know if you know that song or not. But, I um, do. I, I, I'm then, a big uh, fan uh, of Chris Stapleton. Actually. Yeah, man, he's a he's a great singer. Uh, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of flack because he's so mainstream. But um, I, I think he's a good vocalist. So I I, I like that song. And then also um, Bruce Springsteen, um, Born to Run. <laughs> that's the that's the other one. I'd say those are my two. Uh, two karaoke's they both fit a guilty pleasure as well as a kind of yeah. <laughs> there's a little twist on the end there good old days in the nori bang huh? yeah. favorite, favorite venue Anthony. We, earlier we were talking about playing some of these porches or open open venues nowadays but 
maybe in the past or somewhere you would like to play that you haven't quite made it to yet? What's a, a favorite venue of yours? I guess the only thing I can really answer that with is like the maybe, maybe the favorite place I've played. You know, a lot of it has to do with, a lot of playing has to do with the audience response and how great and how comfortable you feel with the people that are there. So that would really, you know, probably cancel out in the physical room itself. Um, and I'd really have to think about that. The one that comes to mind would have to be, there's a great place. I don't know how familiar you are with New Mexico, but in New Mexico, there is a, a, t- a, a little town called Riodosa and it's a tourist town, ski town. I play there. Well, I usually play there twice a year uh, and they have a nice stage area, and, you know, tickets and everything, all that stuff. The people there are just the kindest nicest people and I, I i usually go there and play a solo three-hour show but it's like a concert i mess up there and talk to people on stage and they're they're in there listening to music i mean it's and there's like a piano on stage and it's just like it's like a proper show you know and so i always love playing there and the the owners are just great one of my favorite places i've played i've played a lot of great venues um meaning had great audiences you know just people that are and i don't mean like the number of people I'm talking about, the quality right. of the quality exactly. of the audience and just people really, you know, when you talk to people after the show and people are just kind and just, you know, I like those shows a lot, you know, we can just really just touch, you know, connect with people. And that's what I like the best. You know? Did you notice a difference playing to a predominantly expat crowd? Let's just say expat, cause I'm sure there's local Korean people in there too. A difference between playing to predominantly expat crowds to the crowd you were used to playing in your, your home Oh, night and day, completely night and day. And I loved playing in South Korea. I mean, that was probably maybe even some of the best, uh, on average, the best audience response because um, like I mentioned before, people were so hungry for anything Western. And when I mean hungry, I mean literally like, you know, (laughs) give me a bird, give me a... The Whopper or give me like, you know, how to, you know, how it is. you go down to Itaewon in Seoul and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like Disneyland for like America for like Western food. It's like, that's how they were with music. It was just like, you know, they wanted to just feel like they were in a bar back home and they could sing along to whatever songs that were from the US or from England or wherever. And uh, I felt that it was a really, 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 it was just such a great response all the time. People were just there to listen. And it didn't matter if there was hundred people or if there was five people, or, you know, it was just, it was always a good good response, you know, a uh, good connection with people. Uh, the working conditions that, that people are in a hard day, or excuse me, a hard week in the, the hag ones or the elementary schools. I was, I was, just, I, that thought just entered my mind just as you were saying that. It's just like, you know, we're all working Monday through Friday. We're, Monday through Friday, we're these, we're Mr. or something name, or we're teacher, or teacher, mm. you know, Anthony teacher, or you know, Craig teacher, <laughs> you know, and then and then come, <laughs> come Friday, three o'clock, we turn into the Tasmanian devil for, <laughs> for, four, for 48 hours. We're free to, we're free to terrorize the peninsula and drink ourselves into, into Monday, you know, like that. So that's, it's just, so gloves come off and, and especially, and then there's music added to that. Wow. Yeah. Now people are just ready to party. You know, it was, it was always a fun time playing over there. I think, you know, last question for you. And sure. who, who would you like to collaborate with? Well, um, I'd say recently, uh, there's a lot of people I would love uh, to collaborate with. I'd love to collaborate with Willie Nelson. No, really, but um, there's this really wonderful, another wonderful artist um, in, uh, I think she's based in London, and her name's Rachel Zafira. I discovered her, she's, she's kind of like a real classical, she's an organist and a flautist. She also directs a children's choir over there, but then she makes this other, like, ethereal pop. Almost think like, imagine like, 
if Bjork was like a little more tame or like, like I mentioned Goldfrapp or just somebody who has just this real ethereal, like almost electronical quality. So she took, she took her classical genre, her classical studies and put it, took that knowledge and put it into to this other form of music, which is pop. And um, that, I, I think that would be a wonderful co- collaboration to have because of the back, just because of the backgrounds. I love people that, I love people that take from the classical side of music, the classical, you know, where you learn <laughs> the rules and then you, br- and then you break the rules and you put them into pop music. And the, the beautiful thing about pop music is that in, in by pop, I mean, everything, rock and roll, metal, rap, it's popular country, you know, everything is popular music. You can take all these styles from jazz or from classical or whatever, and you kind of melt, put it into this one kind of like, just mix it up and make your own thing with it. Uh, I think that's the, that's the, a really great way to um, take your education and express it in a certain way. So that's a, that's an artist who I, I, after my own heart, who has done the same thing, who has studied really in depth, this one style of music and then, but takes that knowledge, doesn't just keep going down that path. That's kind of like, okay, I'm done. I've learned what I need to learn here for the most part enough to bring it over here and do my own creative thing with that knowledge instead of just sitting in a you know, practice room playing Beethoven the rest of your life, you know, <laughs> I mean, take that knowledge and put it over here and make your own thing. And uh, I like that. Uh, I really like that a lot. And when I see that in artists, like I mentioned before, I love, I guess, metal, what you'd call it. was what I grew up with. And I'll just leave it with one last, one last point. Cause I can't go without talking about um, maybe my favorite my favorite guitar player, um, Ozzy Osbourne's guitar player, Randy Rhodes. Mm-hmm. The dog that? is right. My dog is right here beside me. He's called Ozzy, funnily enough. Oh, wow. <laughs> the so same you, spelling. So probably, like, you know? Yeah, you probably know what I'm about to tell you, but one of the biggest, um, when I was a kid growing up, I uh, was first turned on to Ozzy's music through the album called Tribute, which was right. a tribute to Randy Rhodes, but it was put out after Randy Rhodes died at a very young age. Um, so unfortunately, I only got to know Randy's music after he was dead. But the reason I'm talking about him is because Randy Rhodes is one of those people who at the time was even a rival of Eddie Van Halen's who just passed away. But then in the same, in Burbank, I believe, in the same part of California, in the same rock scene, they were equal. They were kind of almost the same guitar, cut from the same mold, but they kind of, I don't even want to say they went in two different directions. I don't want to say they were kind of both the same because Eddie Van Halen also kind of had that classical background too. But um, Randy Rhodes, uh, he, he was always searching for that that to get better and whenever he was in, the thing i love about him was that he was a straight edge he didn't drink he didn't do drugs but he, he was a smoker and he smoked quite a bit but his goal was to be a great guitar player every town they went to every city they went to on tour with ozzy he looked up the best guitar player the best classical guitar teacher in town he would go to take a lesson with him every every in every town he really wanted to just be a great classical guitar classical guitar teacher. Ozzy's band was just something that he kind of just did, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> the but that was his, well, yeah, exactly. Which is what he's known for. And his, like, gosh, his contribution to that is just fantastic. But he really, he really, his heart was in classical music and, you know, not that classical music is the be all end all, but it is certainly something to strive for as a musician. I mean, there's, there's, there's a level of just intellectual, uh, demand. There's a demand on your intellect and your brain, the capacity of your mind and your skill set to, when you can master some something from that genre of music or from that from that kind of style of music, it really kind of puts you just a little bit above your average garage guitar player. <laughs> you know, I mean, your licks get better if you can play these licks. Well, you're gonna be able to play better licks over here. You know, and so that's I think it's a means of improving yourself. And and I really love that that he's that he strived for that kind of perfection. Whereas like Eddie Van Halen stro- strived for, he didn't really care about playing, sounding like somebody else. He wanted to sound like himself. Yeah. 
So those were two, maybe that's where they differed. Eddie went on to, to become who he was. And I think, man, Randy Rose is just as great. I mean, they're both, I love both of them, but um, mm. I think he's a really underrated guitar player who getting back to the classical, the classical side of music influencing pop or rock or whatever. Um, I think it's important. It's something that I still strive every, for every day in my, in my music. And I've taken a, a page out of his book, you know, so to speak. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a nice analogy because one of the, Lasting memories you might have of these two guitar players, let alone the music is, but there's either video footage of them or on posters and so on. And both Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes, they both played with a smile on their face as well. Yeah. You know, they yeah. both had that kind of impish grin kind of thing to say, like how much fun they were having at the same time. Yeah. And playing an instrument, that's exactly mm-hmm. what it should be, that feeling mm-hmm. of joy and to express yourself, whatever level you play at, but to be able to express yourself. Yeah, and it's like... like to show it's it. like you know that's their happy place to put to, to find to for, yeah. for like to, to use a terrible you know phrase but when you're when you find that space with your with your instrument the reason you get so good at it is because you can't put it down like you just you just it's just, it's just like you kind of just keep doing it because it's so much fun and <laughs> it's just like oh next thing you know it's like oh you're in front of people cool i mean they would be doing the same thing if i was in my randy rose right in hill and they would be doing the same thing if they were just in their garage or if they're in front of all these people i mean it just brings them joy. They are living for the means. They're not living for the end. They're living for like every, like the journey of improvement and expression and um, exploration. And some people live for just getting to the end and making money, you know, and that's what separates the artist from the, the pop idol. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, the voice or whatever it is, whatever, yeah, exactly. whatever right. this week's talent show is. Right. I, yeah. Anthony, it's been a blast. Thanks very much for uh, being so gracious with your time. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think thanks for uh, getting in touch with me too, man. Because uh, to to get to do stuff like this, so it's really nice. Thanks again, and good luck with everything. Definitely check out Acres of Diamonds because it's a yeah, it's a real treat. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Hey, man. Thank you. Have have fun in in Dortmund. Be sure and have some some quark for me, <laughs> and some. Uh... <laughs> My favorite part of the day in Germany is breakfast, man. You get some muesli, you get some quark. And go to the bakery, uh, and then y'all have that y'all have that Jakob's coffee over there, man. That's like yeah, that stuff's good. It was on sale really yesterday, actually. You know, oh, really? <laughs> this is well. at, the good stuff was at Aldi. At Aldi, yep, funnily enough, it was. <laughs> oh man, the Aldi, ba- man. I- this is one of the the great. Uh, the great things uh, it's hidden from the, the outside world about Germany is the bread the bread here the bread and the beer that, that's the only two things you need to survive here bread, a bread and beer you know what I found whenever you're yeah. back in town back in this neck of the woods we should uh, find a, a social uh, yeah man I'll let, definitely let you know when I'm over there again for sure Anthony enjoy the rest of your day thanks very much hey man take care man Good. I hope you get some sleep <laughs> yeah. cheers right. Later. You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on anchor.fm. Simply search for Can't Find My Way Home. On Instagram at can't.findmywayhome. On Facebook at Expat Music Pod. Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts from, I'm pretty sure you'll find us there too. Until the next one, this is Craig saying cheers. Cheers.